Here begins sun incertidumbre, a place where not having certainties is not a fault, it's an opportunity. Mental health professional Francisca Venegas invites you to be part of a conversation about mental health, self-care, and much more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second season of Sana Incertidumbre, your podcast about mental health, self-care, a little bit of humor, and sometimes difficult things to talk about. Here I have with me our guest for the week, Scott Evan Davis. He is an award-winning composer and lyricist, a sarcastic social media personality, and he is from New York. Needless to say, he's now drinking a coffee while it's winter outside, and I'm having a glass of water with a lot of ice because it's summer here in Chile. <laughs> and the title of today, today's chapter is Sarcasm and How It Bring, it, bring Us Together. So hello, Scott. How are you? I'm really, really good. How are you? I'm perfect. I'm dying from the heat here in summer, so... <laughs> I can't believe it. It's so cold here. I just want to, I want to crawl under a blanket. <laughs> oh my God. I need a swimming pool right now. Mm. So how would you say sarcasm works into your life? Was love at first sight or something you were discovering as an adult? No, I think honestly, um, I remember being 11 years old and watching something on TV and it was a very sarcastic sort of line or, or, or joke or something. And I laughed and, and it made me realize, and I just, that sometimes with what I was struggling with, you know, growing up, I was 11, being bullied or whatever you want to say, I always found solace in humor and sarcasm and intelligence and, and sort of, instead of like, I don't know, fighting someone physically. <laughs> I found myself like, I guess, fighting with words or, or, or with, with humor in some way. And I noticed that I could do that and it made people laugh and it sort of lightened the mood sometimes. And, and I think as an adult now with the social media thing, I think I've realized more and more how much it can really bring people together because sometimes it's really good to not take ourselves too seriously and laugh at the things that we um, struggle with because it makes us all feel like we're connected and we're not alone. <laughs> so I think that's how it plays a part these days. I was remembering, um, I think a lecture I had in maybe fourth year studying psychology. We were reading a text that talked about how adults think or the th their thought process and sarcasm and humor had a lot to do with that. It said like, we need to be able to take ourselves seriously when things like, you know, when we need to think about the risk of a situation, but we also need to be able to laugh about ourselves. And I remember that was something new to, to my ears because usually as a kid or as a teenager, being an adult means to be mature. So adults laugh less or they take everything very seriously. Um, But no, like you can be, uh, I think the example that he said, you can be a feminist, but sometimes you can laugh about things and then you say, no, but of course that's not, not, not right. But not to just be rigid, you know? I think humor, humor has done that for centuries. You know what I mean? Um, if, if that wasn't the case, I don't think comedians would have a job because I think their job is to laugh at the things that would otherwise make us cry. And sometimes that's really healing. Somebody asked me um, 
uh, on a comment the other day, or maybe it was yesterday. Why is your sarcasm? And, and, because they followed me and they liked what I was doing. They said, why is your sarcasm so inspiring? And I really thought about that. And I really think it's because it, it, it forces in, in some ways, sarcasm can force you to laugh at certain aspects of yourself that you realize that you share with the entire human race. And I think there's a comfort in that and there's a hope in that, you know? So I think that's why. <laughs> yeah, I love that comment. Good for your follower yeah. there. Uh, I was remembering <laughs> yeah. that that phrase, that quote, that's like, uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy. And how we sometimes need a little bit of time or processing before we laugh. Uh, like th there's this idea of like, am I laughing too soon? Right. But at least for me, uh, the com the comedians that I like the most are the ones that I can feel a little bit more relatable to. So it's like, oh my God, that happened to me. Yes. Right. And I think good humor and intelligent sarcasm is not mean and it's not ill-placed. And, you know, you don't go to uh, when someone's having a, 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 an emotional situation or somebody is really feeling vulnerable. You don't say things to sort of dig at them. That's not sarcasm. That's that's cruelty. <laughs> I think there's just an an idea of, of being relatable to a group of people and not really honing in on one specific human or person that makes it so relatable. It's about being a person rather than what you're going through. And how did Scott Evan Davis end up winning an award, but also slash comedian on TikTok? Like what happened there? So I was, a, um, I was an actor for a long time. I trained, you know, most of my growing up years was, was I wanted to be on Broadway, wanted to be an actor and I went to college for it. And I was, I was a working actor and I was in an off-Broadway play. And this was when I was 23, I'm 44 now. And I um, uh, just started, I guess I just started getting a little unfulfilled with just being an actor. And so, and the money, you know, when you're in that business, you want to do other things. And I remember when I was, I think 28 or 29, I was in another show. And I long, there's a real specific story on why I started writing music, but the long and short of it is I had a dream. It, it, it inspired me to wake up and, and write a melody on the piano. I'd always played the piano. I taught myself to play the piano, I think when I was eight or nine or 10. And so that was always a part of my life. But I decided that, you know what, I'm, I want to write songs. I want to write songs. And so I stopped performing and I became a composer. And, um, you know, that really took off. And I have a a musical now that is uh, being workshopped for pre-Broadway production next May. I have two albums out and um, I have won songwriting awards and uh, my music has always been out there to sort of make people cry because <laughs> I do write very, you know, story-like heartfelt songs. And I think the comedy only happened because I got a TikTok account a year ago because I didn't know what TikTok was. And I thought it was just funny. <laughs> And then I said, I want to do that. And so here you are. I mean, I didn't know that I was going to start making sarcastic comments for hundreds of thousands of people to laugh at, but here we are. Um, so I, I, I have my music, which is one side of me and one side of my brain and my story. And then I have the humor, which is a very different side. Maybe you will end up writing sarcastic like shows for Broadway as well. There are some that are like that. Well, it's funny you should say that in May, so I did, I've, I've done a lot of concerts, but uh, May 21st, actually, here in New York City, I'm doing an in-person one, I'm doing a show, and it's going to be um, me with at, at a piano, drinking some coffee, uh, telling some sarcastic stories about my life, 
and deflecting with humor, and then my songs being sung as well to sort of see the other side of it. So I am putting those two together in May. Oh my God, I would love to be there, but it's a little bit far, <laughs> but for people that are in New York, I'm yes. so, I'm streaming it virtually, so you can you can you can tune in. Oh, excellent, excellent. So I was remembering how I end up meeting or getting your account. I was a normal, typical day scrolling down Instagram, like you get stuck in that scrolling forever, and then I saw this man with a cup of coffee, I think, or tea, sitting down. Coffee. Yes, coffee. <laughs> and he was making a sarcastic comment about going to therapy, I think. I think the one that I saw first was, um, do you have any childhood trauma or something like that? And it immediately caught my eye because he was smiling when he was saying that. So it's like, okay, this is different. This is not a typical mental health account, you know, trying to give advice. This is something different. And then I realized he was a composer and... It was something that caught my eye a lot. So how did you end up, well, on TikTok, but also doing sarcastic things related to mental health to, to therapy as well? Why not only music? Wow. It's, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that. I don't ever think about it, but you're right. Like somehow that happened. I guess in my mind, it's just, that's my life and that's what's happened. I forget to think about the why. Um, so I found TikTok because as a, I, I teach voice and piano lessons virtually. So during the pandemic, I thought it would be a good tool to reach a different audience and maybe make my music studio, you know, get business, I guess. That's why I, well, why I started TikTok. And then I realized that I was just using it to laugh. And what happened was I didn't have anything clever to say. So I just did lip syncs and, you know, there's a show called the golden girls, which is um, near and dear to my heart and has always been. And it's a very sarcastically written show. And I started doing lip syncs to scenes from that show. And it took forever. It took like two hours every morning, but I wanted to keep doing it because it was fun. And I said, screw the business. I don't care. I want to laugh, you know, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. But I said, there has to be a more sustainable way. I can't take two hours and do that. So I said, I wish I could just talk like as me and do something every morning. So I started to do that. And then that developed into me realizing that as a person, I talk with my hands constantly. I am a New Yorker. We do that. And so I said, I have all these great coffee mugs. Well, I didn't have as many. I had a few nice coffee mugs. I said, I should hold a coffee. And then maybe I'll just have something to do with my hands. And then um, people started sending me mugs and said, oh, use my mug in your video, you know? And so Anthropology sent me a few and then other creators did. Now I have 80 mugs. And, um, <clears throat> and I started raising an eyebrow because I said, I don't know, it would, be, it would be funny as a thing. And that started getting noticed. And then um, there's a salad. So I started getting a little bit bored with what I was doing. And I said, you know, it would be really funny if I went to therapy as the sarcastic sort of person hating people. And then I had a therapist who was just as sarcastic as me. So I started writing these skits where I played my own therapist and that got picked up by a, a, a company here in New York. It's uh, just salad, their salad company. And so they started paying me to do these videos every month. Uh, instead of drinking coffee, I would be eating their salad, but I was in therapy. And I think that's sort of how it started. I don't consider myself to be a mental health account because I joke about a lot of stuff, but I just think the fact is I end up talking about how people can be real silly sometimes. 
And that, I guess, factors into mental health in a lot of ways. And, you know, why we are the way we are kind of thing. And I think that's how it developed. It was really organic. It was not planned. Well, the listeners cannot view his mug. He has a mug in his hand now. <laughs> and he was raising his eyebrow while he was... <laughs> he was saying that, and my face was own. yeah, <laughs> and my face was like, "What?" When you said that you have eighty mugs, I think that's amazing. Like, people send you a mug. Oh yeah, yeah. I th just threw some away too. <laughs> They do this one actually. I know my, the viewers can't see, but this one. Um, it's a very beautiful blue one, very big one. Yeah. Yes. There's a creator in the UK. Um, it's made with mud pottery. She's on TikTok. She followed me, and she wanted to make me a mug. That said, I think the Prince of Snarkness or something. And we just developed, so she's one of my closest friends now, but we developed a friendship over mugs. And so she sent me a few. This is one of hers and it's really beautiful. But one of my favorite things is the fact that these incredibly talented creators who, who make this beautiful pottery care enough to send me something, but they do. And I couldn't be more appreciative. I'm in love with that idea. That's yeah. creative at its best. Uh, well, yeah, all they want is for yeah. me to put it, use it in my video and, and, and that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking maybe as a, a therapist, myself point of view, um, we sometimes use humor and sarcasm in, in our sessions as well, but I think there is something that needs to happen, or at least in my personal style that we call it therapeutic alliance that needs to happen before that. So usually in the first sessions, we are a little bit more, and for people that are maybe consider going to therapy, uh, we are a little bit more serious in the beginning. Like you say something, I'll be like, we will be like, oh, yes, Scott, I hear you. Tell me a little bit more. Oh, that sounds very hard. Uh, but when we start developing a relationship where we uh, feel that the client or the patient trusts the process and we feel more also connected, we start using more humor. So, for example, I will say in the first session with, I don't know, a woman of 24, I will be saying, oh, yeah, that sounds very hard. Um, what do you think you did that or what drove you to do that? But maybe in the session number 24, I'll be like, come on. Right. Okay. so you're telling me you did that and you didn't think that maybe wouldn't right. happen as you were planning. Oh, yes. You know, so I will use more sarcasm. So I will become that. Well, there has to be a, a level of trust, I think, developed yes. in order to have that be safe for someone in one-on-one -on -one therapy. It's funny you should say that because I'm in therapy myself and my therapist um, asked me the other day and said, you know, do you, because I was talking about being on social media and feeling like I was on all the time. And then when I'm not on social media, I teach one-on-one -on -one, and you want to be on and inspiring and, and, and have a high level of energy for someone to, to help them. And that's what I do for 99% of my life. And so he said, do you feel like you're on with me? And we haven't got, you know, he, we haven't gotten to the humor from him yet, but that's okay. But um, he shouldn't, <laughs> but he, I, he said, you know, uh, do you feel like you're on, on right now? And I said, no, the reason that I don't feel like I'm not, on, you know, on is because you don't expect anything from me. You know, me talking to my therapist, he doesn't expect me to crack jokes or be funny or put on a routine for him or entertain him in some way. He just wants to get to the root of certain things the way I think. And I think that is a really interesting thing because there's an, people talk about social media as authentic or, you know, you want to be authentically you. And how can you be authentically you if you're always on? But I don't think that being on means that you're not yourself. 
I just think it's that you expect different things from the people you're communicating with. And it's what you expect and what they expect from you that sort of dictates it. So humor is possible, but you have to develop trust first. Yes, I think that's a very important point because sometimes people will make a joke or be sarcastic and the other one would, maybe they wouldn't understand or maybe they will feel attacked. And sometimes we get defensive and we say, oh, but you don't get the joke. But if the joke doesn't make the other person laugh, maybe it's not a joke. <laughs> Then it's not yeah. a joke. Then it's just a defense mechanism for the person saying exactly. it. Exactly. And I think something that we are also very curious as therapists is that sometimes sometimes humor can become a defense mechanism in the sense that, n not as in the way that you're doing your TikToks, because I think your TikToks go to a different side that I will talk a little bit more later. But it's like, do you feel sad? And instead of saying, yeah, or maybe no, people will crack a joke that has nothing to do with that. So you take it somewhere as, oh yeah, because blah, blah, blah. So it has nothing to do with it. And yes, can that, I, that can, can I, also, can I yeah, comment on that? Because comment. that just happened to me in that, because you know, I, I do crack jokes a lot. And what you're talking about is a very interesting thing that I do too, which is a deflection. So if you were to say to me as my therapist, um, you know, how are you feeling? And I say, well, I'm not having a, not feeling very great today, or I feel a little down or a little depressed. You know, is there, you know, why? You know, and then you would ask why. And if my response is, I mean, well, I mean, like nobody died. Uh, you know, I'm, it's, you know, that kind of a joke where you're deflecting like how you're really feeling by bringing up something else or whatever is, I don't think very healthy, but it is something that we all do. And even myself, I, I hear myself do that a lot, but it's a really good point because it could be a deflection, you know? Yeah, I usually see it in family therapy a lot. I, I do family therapy. Um, when you ask something, and I think maybe the question can bring up ten tension. That's something that comedians do. They bring tension and then, oh, a joke. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, I could ask something like, um, what do you like about your daughter? And maybe <laughs> the father or the mother will say, what, <laughs> I have a daughter? Ew. <laughs> And then like, no, of course not. But but they will start with that all the time. Right. I wrote uh, three like, jokes in my head just listening to you say that one <laughs> thing. Amazing. I said, oh, I'm going I, to I inspire have, more TikToks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that usually happens. And it has to do with humor. It has to do with how they communicate. But it also in my mind, I started thinking, okay, why was that joke necessary here? Was mm -hmm. this something that was intentional or... Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe they just want me to feel, oh, they're funny. So mm -hmm. that's something that I start also to like, mm, okay, I will keep this in mind. Completely. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so what kind of jokes were you thinking? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll, I'll put a video out. But I'm just, as you're saying it, like if it was me writing a skit and the therapist said, you know, oh, you have a, or something, you know. I could think of three or four things that <laughs> would be really funny to say. But, well, you tag me when you upload them so I can I can check them out. I, I will. I'll tag you. I'll say inspired by you. Um, but yeah, I just think that's sort of why in my content, like, I feel comfortable putting out jokes, be, to be honest, because I'm not targeting anyone. It's not about anybody's particular experience. It's... It's, it's, it's all of our experience. It's just, you know, sometimes people don't think. And sometimes that's really funny, but also sad. And that's okay. It can be sad in certain moments, but for me, I'd rather have us laugh about it for a second, you know? But I'm not gonna ever target anybody specific or a group of people or a situation that's hard to accept and I'm making a joke of it. That's not what I do. It's way more just about humans and, and, and how 
You know, sometimes we look for our cell phones behind our couch for 20 minutes using the flashlight from our phone. You know what I mean? And that is a human thing. And that deserves to be made fun of. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> I think we call it both and, that you can feel happy and at the same time you can feel sad and you can laugh about it, but at right. the same time feel very, I don't know, upset. And we don't need to separate them because sometimes people will say, you're laughing, then you're not depressed. No, you know, I can laugh of some things as well. Well, I think, I think those emotions, anger, depression, and happiness are so closely linked that you can really go in between them so quickly. You know, love and hate and really extreme emotions really all teeter on a very vibrational place. And, and it's very easy to get lost within them. But it's also funny because what I have had to accept through my content, and I didn't expect this many people to follow me every day. Do you know what I mean? On Instagram and TikTok, like it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. And I never expected that. So I, I really didn't think about any effect I had on people when, while I was doing it. But now that I've realized that there's an effect on people, I've had to grapple with myself and say, okay, there's people out there who think that I just hate people. Or there's people out there who watch my content and just be like, oh, he's such a cynical, bitter person. You know, very few people do, but some people have commented. But then if they watch my lives, because I go live on TikTok Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the morning, or they hear me talk, or they follow me on Instagram and see more personal sides of me. I love people. I don't necessarily want to be around them, but I love people. Do you know what I mean? And I am a positive person and I love to laugh and I love my life. And it's really interesting to have to look at yourself from a perspective from other people. That's why social media is strange. But I'm not a, 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 a cold-hearted person just because I make jokes. You know, if anything, I think it keeps me happier because I get to laugh, you know? And I think that's the effect it has on people, which is why I think people enjoy it. I have definitely laughed about your TikToks and Reels as well. <laughs> and I think it's very easy to talk to you as well, like now that we are having this conversation on the podcast. Thank you. And for the people that maybe will reach this podcast before seeing your TikToks or your Reels, how would you describe this therapist character? Like what kind of phrases or ideas can we expect to come from him? Well, first of all, he's incredibly handsome. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's me. Uh, I think the the therapist character is, um, and I, I have a playlist on my TikTok that has them all in order. I think I've done like 13 or 14. But he basically is designed to put me, quote unquote, right? I When I'm writing the script, I say sarcastic coffee and therapist. That's literally how I write the script. So, And they're both me. It's very weird. But I would say that the therapist is designed to put the sarcastic me in my place. Because, you know, everybody needs to be knocked down a peg once in a while. So, you know, he will be just as sarcastic in a way that kind of insults me a little bit because, I, I you know, it's what I do to other people and now he's doing it to me. And that is the therapy. You know, as the idea, it's almost like, you know, fight fire with fire. Um, which is very funny because any firefighter will tell you they use water. So I never understood the expression of fighting fire with fire. It never really works. But um, that's what the therapist does. 
And have you encountered yourself thinking about the therapist in other moments of your life? Um, I mean, I guess if I'm really honest with you, which really is all I know how to be, I don't. I don't really think about it. Um, I am me and as, as me, and I've been me for 44 years, and I definitely can separate like making a TikTok or making content or making a character. I was an actor for a long time. I think everything is a piece of you, even the songs that I write, even if I've written them for other characters, you know, it's all a piece of you as the creator. So as when I think about the therapist or when I think about that tick, that series, I think that I'm both of them. And I think that if you just put me in a room and, and, and I had no access to anybody, I could probably entertain myself for a, a long time because I talk to myself all the time. I, I mean, maybe not out loud, but I write in my journal every morning. You know, this is me, not the therapist, me. <laughs> and, you know, I process and I think and I'm an obsessive thinker. I, I do kind of go over things a lot in my brain and, and that makes me a good writer sometimes and it makes me a a monster to be with but I think things a lot and I just think that I can put a lot of pieces of me out there because this this podcast is is me you know I'm not going to be any different talking to you than I would be if I called my mother later and chat with her like I can just talk as me I don't know how to do anything else but when I'm playing that little sarcastic therapist thingy person, you know, it's fun because I like putting the person that everyone thinks is so sarcastic in his place. And it's a, uh, I don't know. Did I tell you that I'm in therapy twice a week? <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I yeah. encourage people to go to therapy as well. Um, yeah. But just so you know, my therapist did say two weeks ago at the end of our, because we were seeing each other once a week at the end of a session, okay. he said to me, he says, you know, I think we should move to twice a week. <laughs> and I thought, hey, maybe you're, that's, that's exactly what we're going to do. So here you go. <laughs> and now you're in that new process twice a week. I am. I am. I enjoy it. I think it's great. Healthy. I think it's very healthy. Yeah. I don't think there's any shame in therapy. I think everybody can benefit from it. Yeah. I think when, when I'm seeing your reels, I get that impression. Like, I think... Of course, like some people maybe will say, oh, I don't like this, or maybe we'll just have mm -hmm. a laugh. But I think it actually can encourage people to go to therapy. Um, that's my mm -hmm. impression. Because you talk mm -hmm. about things that maybe people think, oh, uh, maybe I should talk to someone about this idea that I had. And then this therapist is just like, of course, like, I don't know. like Right, of course. You thought and you were the only one that had a childhood trauma, like something like that. Yeah. I was so amazed and almost a little disturbed when I found out how many therapists shared my TikToks or because they messaged me or follow me. And I was like, you know, you never know in the world of social media, you could be called out for being a, a fake guru. You know, I never claim, I'm not a therapist. I don't want to be one. I've never claimed to be one. I'm just making jokes. But I never expected that the therapy sessions would be appreciated by therapists. You know, I didn't. So it's just, it just goes to show you that we are all very alike. And, and I don't think that our problems as humans are all that different, no matter what country we live in, what state of mind we're in. I think we all battle a lot of similar issues as humans. And that's why therapists are very important because I think we need 
to talk it through with somebody who understands. But I never expected therapists to think I, what I was doing was funny. But hey, I'm thrilled. <laughs> and it is. Here is another therapist. Here's doing you. A yeah, exactly. You. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, to, to reach a point that we talked a little bit about before starting recording that it was about the imposter syndrome. Yeah. And how, well, how would you describe that on you? But also now that you feel some people are expecting some things about this TikTok and real account, has it reached it yet or is something separate? I love this question so much and I can, I feel like I could talk about this for days, but I won't, but I appreciate that because um, I do think about that a lot. And it's a big part of my life. Imposter syndrome. I will tell you that I didn't know what it was until I felt it. And I did not start feeling it until very recently in my life. And I have grown up constantly. Like I, I was on my own, like from the time I was 17, just sort of financially and, 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 and getting my life together. Love. I had love for my family. Everything was wonderful. It was just the way my family was structured. I was We're sort of left to figure it out, and which has made me who I am. But I was very gung-ho and driven, and I had a lot of confidence, and I don't remember feeling like I didn't. And then I started to get successful and win awards, and just my life started to do certain things, and I started to feel really insecure because as a composer, I taught myself. I never went to music school. And so I was feeling like, oh, all of these people that I'm now peers with in the playing field are going to judge me or think I'm a, I'm a fraud in some way because I didn't train the way that, I don't know, things like that. And it spiraled. And then it, so for me, imposter syndrome is no matter how many awards you win, no matter how many opportunities you have, or how many students love you or come to you or how money in the bank, you still feel like you can either A, lose it all the next day or B, none of it's real. Everyone's being nice to you. And you don't deserve any of that. You know what I mean? Like you, you, there's that sense of not feeling like you deserve it or that it's real in some way. I have a show that's heading to Broadway and it has Broadway producers attached to it. And you could literally grab my face and say it 45 times. And I would still look and she'd be like, that's not going to happen. I, like there is that. It's a very interesting psychological place to be in. And I think becoming popular on social media has exemplified that, has, has exaggerated that because now you have so many thousands of people who expect something from you. And I'm not a comedian. I don't want to be a comedian. You know, people say, do you do stand up comedy? I said, no, I sit down. I, I don't want to do anything. That's not what I'm doing. I have another career. And so you start to feel imposter syndrome about that. And you start to feel What do people expect from you? And, and, and why do so many people like you or enjoy hearing you talk when, when you yourself don't think you're any, don't, doing anything special? So there's, there's a lot of imposter syndrome at play for me on a daily basis, which is why I'm in therapy. And that's why I, found, that's why I started going to therapy again, because I didn't know how to grapple with the expectations of myself and other, other people. I still don't. I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, I just know how to be myself. And if people like that, that's great. But I certainly don't, um, I don't believe it much. I don't understand it much, you know, what the appeal is. I don't. I, I know that I can write a good song, but I still am afraid to put things out there because I'm afraid people will hate it. So. Mm. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that insights. And I just wanted to say to to like finish this this episode. Like I said, it went very quickly. Um, it did go quick. I think for how the system is working now, especially in the Western world, like the system doesn't, they don't want us to love ourselves. And actually imposter syndrome works because if you were actually very confident in yourself and maybe you have some little doubts, but not this kind of doubts as like, am I doing this mm -hmm. right for my life? Then you would go um, into a deeper like self-love and it happens with everything, like with models, for example, oh, you don't look, are you a model? And we, we will have comments from people like, oh, are you a model? Okay. That means I need to have surgery or, you know, and, and, and at the same time, it also encourages us to, to try new things. But in the minute that we say, okay, I will try this new thing. You feel the pressure coming up like with mm -hmm. TikTok or Rails, like if we are in a stage where we have, I don't know, 2000 followers and maybe we are doing something so that, oh, I have some likes, nice. But then if you skyrocket like you did, then people are expecting for you to deliver, mm -hmm. I don't know, a video a week or, hey, this wasn't as funny, <laughs> a day. Yeah. Or this wasn't as funnier as last yep. time. It's like, okay, yep. why should I? This video as well. And you, yep, it's very, exactly. it's very toxic. It really is. You're also dealing with thousands and thousands of notifications and messages from people that you don't yes. know who have opinions about you or who feel they know you because they see you every day and you don't know them. And it's, it's, there's a familiarity there too. It, it's an interesting thing and it's a beautiful thing. I mean, listen, you make great connections. I've loved talking to you for this time. So I, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have social, you know, um, the woman who made me this mug is now one of my best friends. So it can be really beautiful, but it can also be a real toxic place. And I don't think people generally know or understand that there's kindness that is associated with sitting behind a keyboard too. I don't, I think people lose their morals a lot when they feel like no, they can just anonymously type. And that's that's a real problem in our society. And I don't know how to fix that, but I do know that that makes it harder sometimes. Yeah, I would just say we should try to expect less from others. Exactly. At least on social media. Right. Expect, like, expect if he less. Wants to, yeah, if he wants to make me laugh today, yeah, why should I expect him? And and then we start to, to think, oh, but if I don't have this video, then my day is ruined. So it's your fault. It's like, no. That is such but, yeah. a good point. And I get messages like that. If I've skipped a day, I do get... Wow, that's really smart. Yes, that does happen a lot. And it has to do with the system. It's not like that person in particular hates you. It's the system no. right. made him or her think that she or he can ask that from you. Yeah. And that's why we then have the imposter syndrome because we feel we are not up to the task that we never and, said we will. And, and if you have imposter syndrome, it means you have some insecurities and you know you're not the most egocentric person and that you're sort of a little bit too self-deflecting. But People say, oh, you should love yourself. You should believe in yourself. It's like, believe in myself. I'm the one that got me into this mess. Why would I believe in myself? But when you do start to believe in yourself, you run the risk of being viewed as someone who's egocentric, self-absorbed, and conceited. And, you know, there's a fine balance. It's like, do, does society really want you to own how wonderful you are? Because if you do, aren't you shot down? So that's another weird dichotomy about imposter syndrome. Yeah, and you gave me another idea for another episode. So thank you. I think <laughs> you're very welcome. Imposter syndrome movie addressed. <laughs> I so, accept. No, I'm yes. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so before we end, I wanted to to let you have a space to talk about where can we find you. Either we want to just laugh about the sarcastic therapist, or do we want to have lessons with you about composing or piano lessons? 
How can we reach you? You can just simply go to my website, which is uh, my name, scottevandavis.com. And you can um, listen to or buy my music. You can schedule a consultation if you want a voice lesson or piano lesson. You can click on all of my Prince of Snarkness social media um, things. And you can read a lot of articles, you know, about, you know, that, that I have listed that have, um, that I've done and more about my life and my history. But I would say, and then you can also find me on Instagram and TikTok through my website. So I would say my website is a great place to go. <laughs> Excellent. So Scott, double T, Evan Davis. Excellent. Dot com. It's all one word, S-E-O-T-T-E-V-A-N-D-A-V-I-S.com. Excellent. So thank you so much for your time and thank for you. this lovely conversation and for showing me your mug. <laughs> and I'll have to come I back will... on your show and show you the other 79. Yes. Yeah, we will have that part. So thank you so much. And thank you for everyone that is listening. Thank you. That was San Incertidumbre, a podcast about mental health, self-care, and life itself with Francisca Venegas. We invite you to participate in our social media at San Incertidumbre on Instagram and be part of the conversation. 